Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, starting things off, as we do every week, uh, we're going to be starting off with a great Coach's Corner uh, panel discussion here. And I've got two great gentlemen that are going to be joining me here shortly. They're running, I think, a little bit uh, behind here, but uh, not to worry, hopefully. <laughs> They'll be here shortly. Um, John Hughes, of course, has been on the show many, many times. He's a PGA Master Professional and Vice President of the North Florida PGA Section. And in 2013, he was uh, honored uh, from the PGA of America's Horton Smith uh, Award. Uh, he was a recipient, and uh, he's also uh, Golf Tips Magazine Top 30 instructor. John Hughes is going to be joining us here in just a moment. And also on the panel tonight is Todd Elliott, a PGA uh, member as well, professional, and uh, he's also TPI certified, and he's the head golf professional at the Hideaway Beach Club in Marco, Florida. So two, two guys in Florida, uh, John, of course, in the Orlando area, and uh, Todd, of course, uh, in the Marco, Florida area, which is a little further south. Uh, and then a little bit later in the show, I'm going to be joined by my special guest, Brandon Stukesbury. Uh, he's the owner-operator of Stukesbury Golf and also the director of instruction at the prestigious Idle Hour Club in Macon, Georgia. Uh, he was ranked by Golf Digest Best in State Instructor uh, Rankings for Nevada and has been honored as the 2011 Southern Nevada PGA Teacher of the Year. Also specializes in competitive player development and enjoys teaching players of all levels from beginner to right up to the PGA Tour guys. Um, so great uh, guest coming on the second half of the show. Uh, but as I said, we're going to be starting out with uh, Coach's Corner here in just a moment, but uh, just waiting for the guys to uh, to chime in, if you will. Um, but let me just uh, remind everybody, of course, we are live every Thursday evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, and that's uh, 7 to 9 uh, PM uh, Eastern Standard Time for those of you on the East Coast, and um, if the if you're not sure or not familiar how to how to tune in every week, go to BlogTalkRadio.com, and up in the search key, just type in Golf Talk Live, and that will take you to the main page. I of course provide uh, links on various uh, social media, Facebook and uh, and Twitter, of course, and uh, also on LinkedIn. Uh, but if you want to go directly to the site, go to BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash golf talk live or just type golf talk live up in the search key and uh, you'll be able to get us there and on the live broadcast of course it's always at the uh, front and center on the page uh, from six to eight central but for some reason if you can't join us live not to worry uh, just scroll down to the page to the on-demand section and uh, you'll see uh, all the recorded 
uh, earlier programs, including tonight's show, will be uh, auto-recorded. So if you can't make it uh, during the live broadcast tonight, not to worry. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live, and uh, you will see us there in the on-demand section. Um, and you can visit that a little bit later when it's convenient for you. But uh, for those of you tuning in live tonight, thank you for joining me, as always, and I appreciate that. Uh, I had a great uh, show last week. Um, my good friend, Mr. Byron Casper, of course, son of legendary Billy Casper, uh, unfortunately, uh, Billy is no longer with us, but uh, he joined us on the uh, Coach's Corner panel last week, uh, along with Tim Kramer. Had a great discussion. Uh, talked about a little bit about the British, uh, excuse me, the Open. Excuse me, you'd kill me if I didn't say that correctly. The Open Championship, of course, which is uh, going on uh, this week uh, through the weekend. Lots of great, great players. A great uh, golf course, of course, Royal Troon. We talked a little bit about that last week. I also want to remind everybody too that uh, tuning in, if you're um, other uh, ways of, of listening to the program, if you go to iTunes.com and type in uh, Golf Talk Live as well, that will uh, search under the podcast section and you'll find us there. And also available at Stitcher.com as well. I want to uh, make sure I pointed those out. And again, just type in Golf Talk Live and uh, you'll get us there. And don't forget to join uh, Cindy Miller and I, LPG, or LPGA professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. Uh, every Tuesday morning, we had a couple of glitches here the last few weeks, uh, some programming issues, and we had to uh, drop uh, last week's show, unfortunately, uh, literally as we were getting ready to start and uh, midstream into the program. So we had to drop that, but uh, got everything worked, all the bugs and the kinks worked out. So we back here uh, this Tuesday morning uh, on the Women of Golf show, and that airs 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time. Uh, on again on the blogtalk.com uh, blogtalkradio.com network so just go to blogtalkradio.com on Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and just type in instead of Golf Talk Live just type in Women of Golf and that will take you to uh, the program as well always got some great guests uh, interesting ladies uh, of the game lots of uh, young and up-and-comers on the Symmetra Tour of course making their way uh, onto the LPGA Tour uh, full-time and we've even had a few LPGA uh, players as well who have had to go back onto the Symmetra Tour because uh, for one reason or another they've lost their card or uh, didn't qualify uh, here and there. So they've had to sort of regroup, if you will. So we've got lots of great players there. And lots of seasoned veterans uh, from the Legends Tour. We've had uh, Carol Mann, um, uh, Rosie Jones. We, of course, uh, our very first guest on the Women of Golf show. Um, we had uh, Kathy Whitworth, of course, a, a true legend of the game, and many, many others. Uh, Jane Blaylock, of course, who heads up the uh, Legends Tour uh, for the ladies. That's, of course, the equivalent of the Champions Tour uh, for the ladies. And uh, just a lot of great, uh, great women and uh, many uh, entrepreneurs and, and other teacher professionals and golf professionals in women's golf uh, join us each and every Tuesday morning uh, on the Women of Golf show. So make sure you tune in for that as well. And and uh, throw your support. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention too, and I didn't get a chance the last couple of shows to, uh, to bring to everyone's attention, but of course uh, we're still running the contest and I'm just going to give you the, the, the short and, and quick, if you will. Um, as I mentioned to you back a couple of months ago, when uh, Byron Casper joined me on the uh, eve of the uh, Thursday eve of the masters tournament, we had a, a major uh, champion couples contest and here's, uh, the gist of the contest and what you can win. Um, the idea is behind the contest is to submit your entries on the Friday evening, which is tomorrow evening, of each of the major champions. Of course, there's four of them, uh, the Masters, which has already passed, the U.S. Open, and uh, 
the Open Championship uh, taking place this weekend, and then in, in a little bit of time, we'll be having the PGA Championship. And the idea is to submit your entries to Golf Talk Live Contest at gmail.com. And uh, what we want you to do is to submit who you think is going to win. You have until Friday midnight uh, on the eve, if you will, or leading up to each of the major championships. Of course, once the championship has passed, uh, of course, you can't submit entry for that particular event, but you can for the upcoming event. And you can submit one for each. Uh, or you can submit them all together if you want, whatever I would suggest, uh, one for each. But uh, who you think is going to win uh, each of the events, the Masters, the uh, U.S. Open, and uh, the uh, Open Championship, and, of course, the PJ Championship. So, of course, the first two have already come and gone, so you know who the winners were there. Um, so you can't in- include an entry there. But the idea is uh, submit who you think is going to win that particular tournament and email it to with all of your contact information, full contact information, including telephone number, address, and so forth. And you must be over 21 years of age and uh, must be a U.S. resident as well. This is only open to U.S. residents uh, uh, at this time. Uh, but uh, entering it into to, uh, Golf Talk Live contest at gmail.com, submit that in on by midnight the Friday before each of the events. And uh, once you've done so, then we'll enter it into a draw. And then on the Thursday following the PGA Championship, uh, here in a little bit of time, Byron will be coming back on the show, and we're going to do a draw entry. And here's what you can win. Uh, there's actually two nights included. Uh, the first night is at a, a one-night bed and breakfast at the Hacienda Hotel in Old Town, San Diego. Uh, that also includes Golfer 2 at Salt Creek Golf Club, uh, also in the area. Uh, the second night is also at a bed and breakfast in the uh, Palm Mountain Hotel and Spa, and uh, a second round of golf for two at the uh, Encina Golf Club, again close by. Uh, and then Byron's going to host a uh, lunch for the couple at uh, the Old Town Tequila Factory. Uh, Byron will be there, and Byron, of course, as you know, uh, as I mentioned, is the uh, son of the legendary uh, professional golfer Billy Casper, uh, but he's also a international PGA member. Uh, and instructor, so uh, lots of great stuff there, and he's out in the California, uh, primarily in the San Diego area, so he'll be uh, entertaining, if you will, uh, for lunch on one of the dates, and um, included also is uh, a copy of Billy Casper's last book, The Big Three and Me, and it's a great, great book, uh, talks about um, really some of the challenges that he faced coming up as a golfer, um, but also against uh, Jack and Arnie, and of course, um, Gary Player. Uh, those were considered to be the big three in, in his era. So it talks about that, the big three in me, of course, the title. Um, Billy, is. I think Byron had mentioned uh, last week that uh, he's still ranked number seven uh, all-time uh, in the world uh, to date. Uh, so it's uh, quite an accomplishment. He won, I believe, 51 tournaments, including three major championships, two U.S. Opens and a Masters. Um, lots of great uh, tournaments and just a, a very generous and, and uh, giving individual of his time. As you may recall, if you tune into earlier broadcasts, uh, Billy Casper was a guest of mine on a few years ago here on uh, Golf Talk Live and was very giving of his time. But anyways, there's the contest. It's the Golf Talk Live Major Champion uh, Couples Contest. Uh, great opportunity to win uh, the, uh, out in California. As I said, you can enter. You must be a U.S. resident over 21 years. does not include airfare. Uh, you will be responsible for airfare and any additional uh, uh, taxes and so forth. But uh, the value of the prizes is, is in excess of uh, $1,000. So it's a great prize for a first contest and hope that you'll uh, continue to enter in for those of you. Uh, again, we've got two major championships uh, left, uh, this being the weekend of the Open Championship 
uh, at Royal Troon. And then in uh, about a month's time, we'll have the PGA Championship. So still got two entries. So enter in. You've got until the Friday, up into the Friday midnight of each of the major championships left, uh, the two I just mentioned. Uh, submit who you think will win, be the overall winner of the championship. And if you're correct in your guess, then you'll be entered into the draw. And then the week following the PGA Championship, Iron. Uh, as I said, he'll be joining me here uh, on Golf Talk Live, and we'll announce uh, who the winner uh, has been. So thank you for the entry so far, uh, but keep them coming, and uh, good luck. And uh, remember the email address to submit your information, uh, who your, your pick is going to be, uh, and also your full contact information, phone number, address, that sort of thing. Uh, again, you must be over uh, 21 years of older and must be a U.S. resident. Uh, submit them to golftalklivecontest at gmail.com. Uh, I'm just checking here, and I'm not uh, not too sure what's uh, happened with the guys here. But uh, uh, John and Todd, I'm still waiting for you to uh, to connect here. So please, uh, if you're if you're listening in, uh, connect with the program, and we'll uh, we'll continue on with Coach's Corner. Um, for those of you that uh, have been listening to the show, basically the gist of the show, of course, is uh, I want to bring uh, some great instructors, uh, PGA and LPGA instructors as well, uh, to the program. Uh, each and every week, we start, of course, uh, the first hour uh, with a great um, uh, coaches' corner discussion, panel discussion with a number of great um, PGA uh, professionals. And uh, what we try to do is, is you know, mix it up with with the coaches and and uh, the uh, individuals coming on each week. I usually try to have two, maximum of three, plus myself. And uh, we have a panel discussion, of course, about various different topics and um, exchange ideas and information and hopefully not only help some of the amateur golfers out there but also um, provide some additional information for um, some of the uh, other coaches and other teaching professionals out there as well i've had many of them uh, give some positive positive excuse me feedback uh, as far as uh, listening into the coaches corner panel and learning some things themselves that they can use uh, for their own uh, teacher profession and and uh, coaching uh, staff as well so some great tips to be learned by everybody on here and then of course the second hour follow up with an insightful um, interview with my special guest and as I mentioned tonight my special guest is going to be Brandon Stukesbury uh, of Stukesbury Golf Um, and again I'm not sure what uh, what the holdup is with the guys but hopefully they'll be joining me soon so until then I guess uh, what I will do is I will um, find something else that uh, that we can talk about here until they they join us hopefully everything is all right um but um, also the other thing I want to mention too is if you're following on social media, uh, best way to find out about the show is go to uh, facebook.com and search Golf Talk Live blog. That is the main page uh, that I post a lot of things. I post it, of course, on my personal page. Um, but Golf Talk Live uh, blog is the page. And while you're there, I hope uh, that you'll appreciate and like the page if you haven't already done so. And for those of you who have done uh, over the last little while, I appreciate that very much. And also, if you go to um, my Twitter handle is Ted and Buck CEO. CEO, of course, is in capital letters. And thank you for all of the recent, recent followers on Twitter as well. But I post uh, each and every week who the show uh, guests are going to be, who's going to be on the panel, uh, Coach's Corner panel and also on the uh, special guest uh, lineup as well. If you're interested in, in being a guest on the show or if you want to reach out to me personally and, and uh, throw your hat in the mix on either on the Coach's Corner panel uh, or if you're interested in being a special guest, if you're somebody in the golf industry, uh, you don't necessarily have to be a teaching professional or a golf coach. Uh, you can just be somebody, maybe an entrepreneur, maybe you've got a great product or service that you um, 
would like to share with uh, some of your fellow professionals or just the uh, golfing public in general, uh, you can reach out to me personally at my email address, and that's ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. That's ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. So for those of you, as I said, that are interested in the show and like to be a guest, uh, we're booking right now for August, July, of course, is completely booked up. Uh, still got some spots available for August and also September is what the months I'm working on currently right now. Um, but uh, for those of you that uh, are interested, please uh, feel free to reach out at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Um, I must admit, this is a, an unusual thing. Normally, the panel, uh, and I know both gentlemen have uh, chimed in and indicated that they were going to be available tonight, but I'm not sure. Uh, hopefully, nothing is wrong. It's uh, unusual for, for both like that to uh, to not be here. So I apologize for the delay. And um, one of the things that I, I want to talk about as well, and uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do with the Coach's Corner panel, I'm going to talk a little bit about that while I've got the time here, um, with the um, with the panel discussion, I'm trying to stay away really from sort of the traditional, um, you know, how to sort of question and answer. Um, you know, I think there's so much information available out there uh, for the individual to learn uh, on how to help their game, and we certainly want to do our, our part here. But I, I want to really sort of expand the thought process, if if you will with the coaches corner panel. So you may have noticed here, if you've been tuning in for the last several weeks, um, you know, that, uh, that some of the discussion is getting more into the mental side of golf, um, you know, the emotional side of golf, that sort of thing. And not just, you know, the how to's, how to fix this or how to correct that. I think that there's a lot of information out there and we certainly want to help you in those areas. But I think that a lot of uh, emphasis is spent too much uh, on that. And one of the things that I, I've been a big proponent of here in the program um, is that you have to be willing to go out and practice um, working on your game. If you're going to spend the time and the effort and the money to, to go and get professional instruction, then you certainly need to take that um, money that you've spent uh, and, and allocate it, of course, accordingly, uh, connect with, it, with your local uh, PGA or LPGA professional or, or golf professional in general. Um, uh, but you also have to make sure that you're going to put it into motion. Don't just go out there and, um, you know, take the lesson. And then, you know, if it's two weeks till your next lesson, just sort of, you know, sit by the wayside and not practice what the coach or instructor has been teaching you. And it really takes a commitment on the player's part, as well as the coach. You know, we, we spend a lot of time preparing for lessons uh, and, Getting you, you know, engaged and, and ready to uh, to play your best golf out there, um, but you're certainly not going to be able to do that if you're um, you're not sort of putting or practicing what we preach, if you will. Uh, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And a lot of people, I think, uh, certainly we understand that uh, there are a lot of time restrictions uh, out there for a lot of people. Some people have uh, more than one job, and and it's not always easy to get out in the golf course like it, it maybe it once was. Um, so they're very limited. So we've tried to give you some some ways that you can do uh, some tips and training, if you will, that you can do at home, uh, different things that you can do to, to, you know, if you can't make it out to the range all the time, that's not a problem. Um, you know, there's things that you can do at home right in your own house. Um, if you've got a full-length mirror, for example, you know, you can practice uh, your posture and, and, uh, and alignment uh, with the mirror. 
and also uh, check your putting stroke. You know, you can line up in front of that mirror as an example. There's a lot of great things you can do. Um, there's great stretching. Obviously, fitness is very, very important. We've talked about that um, on occasion here on the show as well. We've had some great uh, um, professionals. Bob Foreman comes to mind. He's a great uh, uh, certified fitness uh, professional. He's been on the show a number of times uh, over the years and talks about some of the great things, not just preparing uh, at the beginning of the season, um, but throughout the season as well, some different things. Uh, also, we've had a, a number of uh, great uh, professionals on that uh, are big proponents of yoga. Um, Catherine Roberts comes to mind, and uh, Karen Palacios-Jensen uh, is also another young lady that, that are big advocates of, of yoga, as well as some of the, the guys out there as well. Um, yoga has certainly uh, been something that has helped uh, a lot of uh, people with their flexibility, uh, I've certainly done some. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert of it, um, but I, I, I give it my all, if you will. But uh, so, so these are things that we're trying to help you with. And, you know, there's a lot of video out there. We've talked about that as well. There's a lot of uh, great instruction out there, but there's a lot of misinformation as well. So you need to be careful of that. If you want to really improve your game, uh, there's nothing wrong with watching uh, videos and that, but make sure that you're, you're tuning into videos uh, for um, – qualified and, and properly trained instructors and, and not just getting some of the, the YouTube videos that you see out there that, uh, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry posts up there on, on how to improve your golf swing. Make sure that the individual that you're watching um, is, is properly uh, trained and certified. And uh, as I said, you know, we have a number of highly talented professionals coming on the show here uh, each and every week. And uh, I try to, you know, incorporate and pick their brain, if you will, uh, and, 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 capitalize on some of that information and share it with you, um, our, our listening audience. So we appreciate all this, the continued support and appreciate all the questions that have submit, uh, submitted into the show, and, and which gets to my, my next point here. Um, if you have a topic that maybe we haven't covered here or you'd like a little further detail and discussion on the Coach's Corner panel or even with some of my guests, um, feel free to submit um, any questions or comments about the show that you'd like to see for upcoming shows, for future shows, you can submit them to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. That's ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Um, submit your questions and comments to the show, and uh, by all means, I'll certainly uh, sift through them and, and we'll uh, bring them up into the panel. And, and I'm not just talking about general questions on, on how to fix or how to resolve this. Uh, we'll certainly take those as well. Uh, and you're welcome to call into the show during the live broadcast as well. The number to call in uh, during our live broadcast is area code 646-716-4667. That's 646-716-4667. Um, by all means, you're welcome to join in during the panel discussion uh, that we have normally at the beginning of the show. And uh, join in and, and ask the coaches anything, uh, you know, that uh, – we can help you with as far as your game, if there's certain areas that you're struggling with, or if the things that you don't understand that maybe you'd like clarification on, uh, we'll certainly do our best to help you with that. So make sure that you uh, not only tune in each and every week, but we would love to have you uh, become more engaged. And I know some of you out there are a little shy and, and uh, a little bit apprehensive about calling into a program like this and not sure what to ask. So um, I always do it this way. I always like to write things down, make some notes um, as I do for the show, of course, um, so if there's questions that you have or, or concerns that you have on how to improve your golf game, make some notes, and that way that will help you when you're, when you're calling into the program or emailing to the program. And, again, that's ted.golftalklive at gmail.com is the, uh, the program. Uh, I, I want to, I guess at this time, apologize. I'm not sure what's happened here 
and uh, it's a little little awkward. And I know I can, as most of you that have tuned in the show uh, know me very well, that I can certainly uh, hold the conversation for a long time, and I think I'm doing a pretty good job here. Uh, I'm not sure what's happened to John and Todd, but um, uh, again, hopefully they're not uh, running into some inclement weather. I know that there's been some uh, rough patches through Florida here uh, over the last uh, few weeks, so it's possible that they've maybe come into some uh, bad weather and just not able to uh, uh, to get where they need to be. So hopefully um, we'll, we'll find out. I have not uh, heard from them at this point, but we'll see what happens. And and uh, if not, I guess uh, I will uh, do some more topping. So let me just remind everybody, of course, uh, we are live every Thursdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. Uh, go to blogtalkradio.com and type in Golf Talk Live on Thursday evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. And on Tuesday mornings, uh, join us uh, for the ladies' program. That's the Women of Golf Show with LPJ professional Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. And uh, you can go to blogtalkradio.com and type in Women of Golf for that particular show. And if you want to speak uh, to any of the guests tonight uh, or call in and talk to me if you want, uh, the number again is area code 646-716-4667 or email any questions or comments about the show to ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And again, if you're interested in coming on as a guest on the show, uh, you can also email me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And that's open to anybody in the golf profession, any professionals, uh, whether it be teaching, coach, uh, or entrepreneurs. Maybe you've written a great golf book that uh, you think are some tips or training or just uh, – and we're going to talk actually about a great book uh, on the second half of the show when Brandon uh, calls in on the show, and hopefully he'll be calling in. And uh, if not, it'll be a quick show. But um, anyways uh, – we're going to be talking about a great book. So maybe if you have somebody that's written a great book, we've had a number of them on the show over the years. And uh, if you want to share that information uh, with a live audience, uh, you're certainly welcome to do so. And uh, you can also reach out to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Uh, also, if uh, you want to get updates on the show, uh, update uh, on social media at facebook.com forward slash golf talk, golf talk live blog. That's the main page uh, for the show, and I update every week with who's going to be on the panel and who's going to be my, my featured guest. Um, so I do that. Now, also, of course, uh, broadcast through many of the, uh, the golf groups, and thank you to all of the administrators of those golf groups on Facebook. Thank you for allowing me to do that. I try to keep it to a minimum to uh, uh, once per week per show so that I'm not uh, overwhelming uh, some of the other people that are in there that want to share their uh, uh, golfing tips and, and uh, comments and things like that. So I appreciate uh, all of the different administrators of those various golf groups on Facebook. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, I uh, announce every week on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. That's my handle uh, handle on Twitter at Ted and Buck. That's T E D A N D B U C K. CEO is in capital letters. The rest is in lowercase. Um, that's my handle there. Thank you for all of the recent followers on uh, followers on Twitter. And as I said, I also post uh, on Twitter um, the upcoming guests and so forth on the show. And uh, again, I appreciate all of the recent followers. And I see that my my good buddy John looks like he's joining me here. So let me bring on uh, one of them is here, anyways. Let me bring them on. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. How are you? I'm doing well, John. How are you doing? Good, Ted. Sorry about being late. Just had a uh, re- really tough time getting to a quiet place this evening. Yep. <laughs> Not a problem. I suspected that it was probably something, so I've been sort of uh, uh, rambling on, if you will, for the first part. Um, John, we, we've got uh, – I, I think what I'm going to do 
uh, with this uh, second half of the show. Uh, Tata, unfortunately, has not uh, joined us, so I imagine he's probably in the same uh, boat, if you will, as you. So I think what we'll do is is I'm going to save the specific uh, discussion that I had planned for tonight, since we're not all uh, available. And I think you and I will will talk about just some generals here. We'll be uh, for the last segment of Coach's Corner, if you don't mind. Not a problem, and I apologize for listening. Public no, no. just one of those things when clients get <laughs> clients come first, and I had to get That's them wrapped right. up and get get to a quiet place so I could uh, be fr- uh, totally un undivided attention everybody and i apologize not a not a problem john as i said many many times to, to all of the uh the, the special guests that come on for the coaches corner panel i realize that everybody um you know is running their business and and so forth and, and obviously as you said clients come first so uh, i certainly understand and this happens from time to time and it's not a big deal and and as most of the people listening out there know i can talk uh, up a pretty good storm so uh, I've been and actually enjoying uh, talking here for the last little bit. John, let, let's talk about this. Um, you know, you, here we are. We're already about halfway through the summer months here. Uh, we've got some some pretty hot and humid weather through Florida and that. What are some of the things that, that obviously, some of the students that you're working with um, uh, vary in age, of course, from from some youngsters right up to some of the seniors out there. Obviously, in this hot climate, there's a lot of people out there that are maybe a little bit hesitant to get out in the range and the practice tee to work on. What are some tips that you give them, John, to, to sort of work around the heat, if you will, and, and to limit their exposure so they're not spending too much time out there, but they're spending enough to be able to, um, to, to benefit their game? Well, right off the bat, it's hydration, and hydration doesn't start when you're on the range. It starts long before you ever get to the range. And what I mean by that is if you know you're going to get out, say, tomorrow afternoon, you should be hydrating yourself now. Uh, it takes your body a little bit to build up that liquid threshold that it needs to be able to withstand the hot, humid temperatures that tend to be all over the country right now. So hydration yep. is, is huge. Number two, it's always quality, not quantity. A lot of times... By this time of year, unless you're really trying to make one huge swing change, practice isn't necessarily about technique. Practice is more about trusting what you're trying to get done. So a lot of the Mm. time, uh, three or four high school players I'm working with now who are trying to make their teams, we're, we're pretty much done with the technicality things. We're trying to get them to hit more targets, to be more in the moment, and to not necessarily limit the amount of balls they hit, so much as make each ball count that there's a mission right. behind each one there's a purpose behind each one the it doesn't take as much out of you physically but when you do have the heat you do have the humidity it's going to re, re recreate the situation that you're going to be in on the golf course uh, especially if you're having to play at say one or two o'clock in the afternoon if somebody to be able to not only withstand those conditions, but from a stress situation, be able to deal with them as well. Because at the end of the day, what heat does is the same thing that stress does. It's going to wear you out. And knowing how to deal with it, A, hydrating, B, just taking your time and dealing with it. Not necessarily – a lot of people say, hey, it's just a figment of your imagination. The more and more you deal with it, the more it becomes that. But if you're not used to it, 
going out and learning to deal with its essentials so you can at least make it through a round or make it through a practice session. Right. Well said. Uh, John, let me ask you something, and I'm going to just go back to what you were talking about a few moments ago that you, you know, you've been working with some, um, I guess some, some students, if you will, that are trying to make it on teams. Um, obviously that's, you're using a little bit different approach with them because, uh, obviously there's more pressure involved for them than say your, your average uh, high handicapper that's just out playing, you know, with his buddies for the weekend. Just talk about how you approach some of these young guys that you're working with that are looking to maybe play, uh, whether it be for on a high school team or collegiate golf. Um, you know, how do you prepare them? What, what are some of the things that you do maybe with them that you're not doing, uh, with, with some of your other uh, sort of average uh, golfers out there, some of your average uh, high handicappers out there. W- what's the difference? How do you handle them differently, if, or if, or do you? I think the average amateur at some point in time becomes more competitive, and that competitiveness is all relative to what that person wants to accomplish. Is it winning the club championship? Is it making a high school team or collegiate team? Is it making it through USGA qualifying for the numerous AMs that go on this time of year? Uh, There's a different threshold to it also based on the person, based on their ability to devote and commit some time to get themselves over that hump. I'll formulate, I call it customized coaching programs there's really no one size fits all, but in a general right. sense, the person who's the average amateur, they're going out every Saturday or Sunday to play because that's the time they have, or they're going out once a week in a league or uh, once a weekend with the family, their practice routines, their improvement plans are based on that kind of time level and that kind of commitment because it, it, everybody's got to have fun playing, but at that level, it's all about fun. It's all about maybe one day you've accomplished your all-time low uh, score on a hole or an all-time low nine-hole round or whatever the case may be. Whereas if someone's trying to make their high school team, it's there's a lot of technique to it, just like there would be a the average golfer, the average amateur, as I call it but you're Mm. trying to metamorphosize that practice into something that they're going to recognize come qualifying days because high schools and colleges allow walk-ons. You're going to have to play three, four, five rounds consecutively and be able to shoot consistent low numbers. So the last couple of weeks leading into those, those qualifying rounds, you're always trying to get the player to recognize the situations they're in and be able to bend and flex their plans strategically around not only what they're trying to accomplish, but where they are on the golf course and how they're going to accomplish it. Uh, you've probably, everybody's probably heard and today with no exception, you can lose a major the first day. We can certainly yeah. lose a qualifier or lose a member member or lose a member guest that very first day or the club championship that day. Uh, The average amateur, sure, I'll put him in those situations. But, again, it's based on the relative commitment and dedication that they have. And I think what most average amateurs have to be honest with themselves with 
is that time commitment. There, I see so yeah. many people, I'm sure you do too, Ted, that, mm-hmm. that expect a whole lot more out of their games but really haven't put enough into their games uh, time-wise, both on and off the golf course, to be prepared to have that happen. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's not something I, as a coach, like to see, but it is a realistic happening that so long as someone stays within their moment, understands, hey, this is how much time I've put into it, so this is how much I'm going to get out of it. Typically, those are the players that do better than expected and end up Mm -hmm. performing better than expected, not only that first qualifying round or that first weekend out, but for weekends to come. And it all starts with how competitive do you want to be or how competitive are you, which is two different things. Some people are ultra competitive and some are not. The ones that are not that want to be competitive, you've got to train them to be competitive, which isn't necessarily an easy thing to do. It's not a hard thing either, but it's a separate type of training. Uh, Do you think, John, John, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. What I was going to ask you is do you think that that that's part of the reason you're seeing more of a trend and have been for some time now with, from the instructional side, more, more of uh, teaching professionals going into the coaching. I think that they're looking for um, the players that are more, and and not just, you know, the collegiate golfer or, or, uh, you know, um, working through the the tour level, but that they're looking for students that are more committal. In other words, um, not that they're not giving lessons, traditional lessons out there, but they're looking for players who, uh, as you just touched upon, you know, it's great for us to give, you know, a half an hour or, or 45 or an hour lesson, but, you know, the next lesson that comes due and, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks time, if they haven't done anything in between, do you think that's why some of the, the instructors have moved into more of a coaching platform uh, is to seek after the, that clientele that is prepared to make some kind of a commitment? Because obviously you're not going to enter into a coaching program if you're not prepared to make some kind of a commitment. Do you think that that's one of the reasons that you think you're seeing more and more getting into coaching? Yes, and it works the opposite way, too, for the average amateur who's looking for a quote-unquote coach. The ones that are Mm. truly committed and passionate about what they're doing are typically the better coaches. They're, They're going that extra mile. They're texting you during off hours to see how the baby's sleeping through the night or how the, right. the presentation has gone at work or whatever the case may be. Uh, there, I think there's a, a maturation process to a golfer just as there is a maturation process to anyone who's providing golf instruction. I, I've always believed there's a whole lot of teachers fewer, much, much fewer instructors and coaches. They're sort of hard to find good ones. Uh, I equate it to a lot of friends and uh, people I touch to the best teacher you ever had in school. Were they truly a teacher or were they more than that? Were they, were they looking out for you when you weren't at school and uh, in a good way, not in a malicious way? Right. were they understanding and sympathetic to things that were important to you, such as sports or extracurricular activities or 
do they become part of your family? Those are the true coach. The great coaches I've had have been like that. And yeah. The great yeah. teachers everywhere I've gone have been like that. But there's a lot that just sort of, they do the minimal to get the max. It right. works both ways. It absolutely works both ways. In my case and in a lot of the people that I know, I prefer to work with someone more committed. It's not that I won't give a one-hour lesson here or there, but it's it's more gratifying in, in a long-term sense for someone like myself creating sure. a relationship with someone that golf is the catalyst to that relationship, but there's other things in common. Whether it's uh, well, the type of food you want to eat, you like to eat, or the extracurricular things you do, in that sense, you get. I, I, I would I would tell someone you're probably going to get a better result long term, and the short term issues that the golfer is going to go through, that coach is going to be there with you, versus sort of leaving you out in the cold. Yeah. And I think you're right. You know, I can, when I think back now, when I was in school, you know, for some reason, if I was off sick, there were, there were certain teachers that reached out, want to know why I wasn't at school. And it wasn't, um, you know, an attendance issue. It was more, you know, they were concerned, want to make sure, you know, cause I, I really didn't get sick a lot when I was in school. So I, I was, you know, uh, you know, in class pretty much 99.9% of the time. So when it, when I wasn't there, um, you know, there was some January or if I wasn't able to, um, you know, with a, an after school program, if I wasn't able to commit um, for a particular event or something like that, you know, usually I would do my best to inform them. But there were occasions when for whatever reason, health wise or, or something, and, uh, you know, they would certainly reach out, um, you know, with with concern to make sure everything was all right. So, yeah, they definitely took an, an interest. And those are the, the, the teachers and, and or coaches that, uh, you know, that I sort of remember the most uh, that seemed to take a vested interest in on how I was doing and what I was doing and, and if everything, um, you know, was being uh, understood properly. And, you know, they would they would do, take that extra step, as you suggested. You know, you, you raise an interesting point, John, and we've talked about this many, many times on the program. And, and I just want to touch on a little bit more. Um, and again, I, everybody's you know, got a different, uh, I guess, perspective, if you will, on, on what they want to do and, and the level of commitment. Um, but I think one of the concerns that I have with, and, and again, we, you and I both understand that there's a, a time restraints. A lot of, some people are out there um, for economic reasons, maybe have to hold down a second job. So there's very limited time. And we're trying to find uh, new and creative ways to, um, to capitalize on the fact that people don't have as much time to get out there and not only play, but even practice as much. Um, but one of the concerns that I've had is, and, and John, as you've mentioned many times as well, you know, we get a lot of students that contact us that, you know, that want to come in and, and, and take a lesson or take a, a series of lessons, um, but then they're not doing anything in between. Um, you know, how do we sort of break through that egg, if you will, um, with some of these people, you know, they're not going to see the results. You and I know they're not going to see results um, if, you know, if they're not going to get out there and, and put in, you know, the practice that they need to. So what do we have to do to, to you know, how can we help them, if you will, um, but make them understand that they've got to get out there and practice if they want to get better. If they, if they truly want to see results, they've got to, they've got to put in some commitment. You, you do. And we have talked about this, and one of the points I've never brought up 
I'm going to call it tough love. When <laughs> all else fails, it's tough love that gets that person to start recognizing what their coach is trying to inspire them to do. And what I mean by that, uh, I've got several clients, as I'm sure you do, and all the other mm-hmm. coaches that come on the program do, that will commit to a long-term relationship with a coach, uh, take the lesson. Uh, you'll see them in two weeks, and they're in the exact same spot they were two weeks ago, yet they want right. to keep going. Well, mm-hmm. you can keep going, but so much and so far. And at some point as a coach, you realize, and you know what, I'm just a marking time here with this person. So let me let me see if I can get them to realize that they need to practice. So you do a lot of things as a coach. You, you sort of hint that, hey, uh, if you can't get this done, then something else won't come with it because this is the building block to A is the building block to B. Uh, you can mm-hmm. you can sort of rational rationalize with them that way. You can get them to practice where it's more fun, maybe less technical but more fun, but still getting the mission accomplished. There's there's lots of different ways to do it. But at the end of the day, I'm not afraid to give tough love, which is yeah. I'm going to let you fail. I literally let clients fail. When they come blaming me, I pull out the calendar and show them what kind of time I've committed to them and, uh, the the video lessons I've sent them and all the different things that are right there for the asking that they mm-hmm. paid for that they spent the time for, but they still I can't I still can't do this, John, or I can't can't get this done, or why haven't we done this or whatever? It's tough right. love that normally gets these people, at least in my experience, to either recognize yeah. you know what you need to make. This time, if you're truly interested in performing at this level, it's going to take some commitment. It's going to take some time. And normally I can take that tough love and apply it to something that they are interested in or do on a regular basis. Uh, For example, a doctor, they practice medicine. They just don't Mm -hmm. show up at the clinic one day and start seeing patients. It's an ongoing practice. They're learning something new every day. So with doctors, it's pretty easy to explain. With attorneys, it's pretty easy to explain. Uh, With craftsmen, it's pretty much very easy to explain. A plumber or an artisan of some type, it's typically the person who is more uh, freestyle in their profession or freestyle in their lifestyle that Mm -hmm. has a little bit more time, a little bit more difficulty with understanding that, and that's typically when the tough love is the toughest to dish out because there's just no basis to it beyond yeah, I, I, golf. Right. I, I think you're right. I think people that tend to have a more structured and organized um, work schedule, like you said, or, or um, that require a more structured or organized um, process tend to be more committal. I think those that, as you said, have more of a freestyle tend to be the ones that are a little harder to rope in. And, and, and I don't want the, the, the audience that might be listening in you know, to what we're saying to misunderstand that, um, you know, that we, we don't want to um, – you know, it, it's not, it has nothing to do with the money. I mean you know, obviously they're paying for lessons, and, and we are certainly grateful and appreciate that. But at the same time, there comes a point in time that, that they're just sort of pouring money in and not really 
seeing the results because they're not putting the effort in. Um, and, and, you know, we, we invest, as John just pointed out, a lot of time and effort into helping you become um, better and, and obviously not just um, hitting better shots and, and executing better shots, but um, have more fun and enjoyment in the game. But at, at the same time, there's something that you have to give back, and that is, you know, the the honesty, if you will, of, of whether or not and, – and this goes back, John, you know, we've talked about this as well – you know, in the very process, very beginning process, when we first get a new client in, you know, we sit down with them. There's an assessment we want to get in, and I'll bring that out. I mean, I'm sure you probably have as well. I'll bring it out. I'll bring the, the the full assessment out, and I'll say, you know, this is what we talked about from day one, and this is what you wanted out of your game, and where you wanted to take your game. And you know, if we're not at that point, I'll say, you know, do you still want this? We'll re re you know sort of reinvent the wheel. Is this still you know what your plan is? And if it changes. Well, then we have to, you know, readjust what, what we're doing. But if you're planning on, um, you know, uh, you know, getting on on, um, you know, a, a team or or playing more uh, uh, aggressively in your golf style, then you have to be willing to make a, a, a better commitment than what you're currently making. And I'll bring that out and remind them what they, you know, talked about, uh, you know, a month ago or two months ago, whatever the case may be. But most of them are pretty good, I think, and I'm sure you would concur, John. But uh, I just think that there's a lot of people out there that are still struggling with their golf game, and and they think that they're, they're looking for that quick fix, and and it just doesn't exist. I mean, you know, if it was, we'd be all out of business. Well, the other thing that comes to mind as you were speaking is a lot of people who play golf or convert to playing golf are conversions out of team sports or conversions out of what I call reactionary sports, uh, sports that require you to be more reactive versus actionary, which golf is absolutely actionary. You start everything from a dead stop, and that's a little bit more difficult for most human beings to accomplish. But when you talk about other sports and, and great coaches – of other sports. There's an old adage that was taught to me years ago by some fantastic basketball, football, soccer coaches that I had the the opportunity to be around was that when you win, it's all about the players. And when you lose, it's all about the coaches. And, and to this day, when you watch ESPN, you'll see coaches right. take the blame for losses. And, and when there's a big win of one point or many points, it's always about the players and how well they play, and they deflect any credit to themselves. They deflect it all to the players. Golf is similar, but at some point what, what people don't recognize is that if there's a person on that team who's not committed, who's not pulling their share, who's not – living up to the expectation of not only themselves, but the expectation of the team and the coach, they're normally put on the bench. And golf is right. not like that. There is no <clears throat> bench. And there's nobody else to be responsible to other than yourself. So when it comes to a great coach, I, I've taken blame for some of my players' mishaps, maybe not making a cut or not making a check or whatever the case may be. But at some point, I as coach to these players will sit them down and say, you know what, maybe I need to refund your money. Maybe you are not as yeah. committed, and that's okay. That's totally okay. It's it's all about you, and I get it, 
and I don't mean that derogatorily. <clears throat> You've got right. other things. You've got other priorities, and that is totally, totally okay. Most people are not okay with that being handed to them. That's the equivalent of a team coach saying, you know what, you can't play. We're going to put you at the end of the bench until you start doing what you need to do to be able to get playing time. Golf is not the same. And when people start understanding it in that type of uh, comparison, that type of analogy, all of a sudden it'll hit them and they'll make a very black and white decision. Golf is not for me. And I'm just going to play the way I play and I'm happy that way. And uh, until I'm willing to go the opposite way that golf is me, and I want to be more competitive and more self-competitive and, push myself to limits I didn't think I could achieve until I'm ready for that. It's okay to be me. And I think if you've got a great coach that you've created a long-term relationship, that little tough love lesson is a whole lot easier to swallow. And that coach is going to stand behind you while the golf is not the priority. Yeah. And it goes to, it goes to motivation as well. I think if, you know, a, a good coach, um, will help to, to motivate, um, you know, the individual and, and be there not just to, to, you know, show them, uh, how to do certain things, but, but, you know, how to stay motivated, how to, you know, be engaging. And, and the other thing too, is I think a lot of times we have to, you know, get the players to, um, be engaging in return. You know, a lot of times there's, there's some, um, you know, I, I've witnessed it and I'm sure you probably had a handful here and there, uh, of players or, or uh, students that um, really don't say a lot. They're very quiet. They're very shy, um, even to the point of being a little bit timid. And it's almost sometimes like pulling teeth to get answers out of them. And, you know, you can only visually see so much by watching them. Um, but, you know, you have to sort of get into their head a little bit, uh, if you will. And it's not always easy. So, you know, you have to be a good motivator as well. Um, I, I think as a coach, it's not just about having understanding of technique and, and, and showing them all of the, the ins and outs of, of how to play better golf, but you have to be somebody that can motivate them when they're, when they're not playing their best. It's easy to motivate when they're, when they're out there and, and shooting low numbers, but when they're coming in and, and, and not doing well, um, you have to be that, that uh, you know, motivator as well and, and help pick them up a little bit uh, to some degree. Um, I, look at John, it, I, I look at it just the same way, mm-hmm. uh, that, and I use a little bit different term, that, I want to help inspire my people to be motivated because my belief is motivation comes from within that when when things are not so good, I'll be there to prop you up and support you and inspire you to reach new heights or, or overcome the failure. Uh, But the motivation has got to come from within because if a coach has got to be the motivator, uh, the coach can't be out on the golf course actually hitting the shots. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. Um, any thoughts? Uh, we just got a minute or two left, uh, and, and then I got to let you go because uh, I've got my guests coming up here in a few moments. But um, uh, any thoughts with the uh, the Open Championship this weekend? Any any favorite uh, favorites that you're you're going to be pulling for, or or any comments that you want to make uh, with respect to the uh, to the golf course? Uh to be honest with the listening audience, I haven't paid too close of attention to it simply because of being busy with clients and and a a couple of other items on the agenda for me. But what little bit I have paid attention 
Trends a, a very good golf course. It's going to allow Phil Mickelson to potentially whip out for a record major round as he did today. Uh, it's mm. it's going to provide opportunities <clears throat> for not the also rams, but the people who are not necessarily the top ten that someone would predict to win. And if you look back at the history of Trend, that's that's the case. Uh, right. I, I do think what we're also seeing is the compaction of the season. Uh, one of the things I have been paying attention to is how many top players are not going to Rio, and they're blaming it on a, on a virus, and I get it. There's probably tons of other reasons, but I think the biggest thing you're going to see this weekend, which carries over into two weeks, carries over into Rio and then right into the tour championship and the Ryder cup is the condensed yep. season. You're going to see mm-hmm. players play. Uh, they're, they're either going to play much more conservative because they know they've got a long stretch of golf tournaments to play over the next two right. months. They want to be there at the end. They want to be there to, to win the big money whether it's a major, the tour championship, what have you. And then you're going to see some very aggressive play, extremely aggressive play by people who are on the bubble, who are trying to make the Ryder Cup team. We're trying to – they feel like, you know what, Truman's going to offer my best opportunity to get my first major and propel me Mm -hmm. into stratospheres I haven't experienced in the past. So when it comes – to say the top ten, the Bubba's, the Rory's, the Jordans, the uh, the 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 Days, the Dustin, Dustin's, the, all those guys, yeah. they're gonna be there. The training wise off the golf course, they're gonna be there the next two months. They're gonna be there this this weekend. But then you're gonna see people who can really play when the chips are down, such as a Mickelson. I right. thought earlier today that Els was one or two under after a couple of holes. You're going to see these guys emerge, and it's going to make for a very interesting first couple of days. Once the, yeah. the cut's made, I, I think it's all hands on deck. Every shot counts beyond what <laughs> the value is at that point. And my gut feeling tells me we're going to see some terrific golf Sunday and probably have at least 10 to 12 people in the hunt. I don't think there is a clear-cut favorite because it is a British right. Open event. And uh, the uh, weather variables and, and environment play such a key role. And the Americans, sometimes, like last year with Zach Johnson, we do really, really well, and then there's other years we fall flat on our faces. Uh, so... I think it's going to be a very exciting two months starting with the British Open this week. Yeah, I I agree with you as well. Um, It's going to be interesting to watch, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's always interesting to see the Open Championship uh, played on a course like uh, Royal Troon. So it'll be interesting to see how the players handle it. And uh, you, I think you're going to see some of the veterans uh, like an Ernie Els and obviously Phil Mickelson that have played many of, of the Open Championships in the past and uh, have certainly done well. I think you're going to see some charges by them, and, and, and it would be nice to see one of them uh, in that category. Uh, not that, uh, you know, I don't want to see some of the young guns, but uh, it'd be nice to see some of the seasoned veterans uh, make a charge. You know, we, we looked back here not too long ago at uh, Tom Watson, 
um, you know, in one of the majors uh, came very, very close. It'd be nice to see somebody in that caliber uh, of player come through. But uh, John, as always, thank you very much. And, uh, and, and again, I, I, I totally understand and I appreciate you calling in uh, uh, a little bit later. And we uh, had an interesting discussion and, and uh, you know, I know these things happen, so not to worry. And, and I look forward to having you on next time uh, on the coach's corner. And uh, for those of you that want to learn more about uh, my good friend, Mr. John Hughes, go to johnhughesgolf.com is his website and uh, lots of great videos, lots of great ways to reach out and connect with John Hughes uh, in, uh, in this great state of Florida. So John, thank you as always. And uh, I look forward to having you back on the panel in the future. Ted, always a pleasure. Again, my apologies to the listening audience and to you. Just like I said, clients come first. Your guest today, yep. Brandon, <laughs> good friend of mine, uh, really interesting book. And I've talked to him about his book at length and, how he went about doing it. I think the next hour, the listening audience yep. is going to have a, a really interesting time learning some things about the short game that they may never have thought about before. Uh, so again, I appreciate the opportunity and look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Well, thank you, John, as always have a great weekend. Enjoy the, uh, the open championship and uh, continue to help uh, those golfers uh, improve their games. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ted. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that was uh, John Hughes, uh, one of the panelists on the Coach's Corner. And unfortunately, we didn't have a, a regular Coach's Corner tonight. Uh, the guys were late coming in, and, and I'm not sure what happened with Todd, but we'll, we'll find out. But anyways, uh, onward and upward, as they say, my very good special guest, uh, Brandon Stukesbury. He was on the, the panel, Coach's Corner panel a couple of weeks ago, and I invited him back as a special guest this week. Uh, just to remind you a little bit, I know I read it out earlier, but I'll remind you again, he's the owner-operator, of course, of uh, his own business, Stukesbury Golf, but he's also the director of instruction at the prestigious Idle Hour uh, Club in Macon, Georgia, uh, ranked in Golf Digest Best in State Instructor Rankings for Nevada and honored as the 2011 Southern Nevada PGA Teacher of the Year. Uh, I specialize in competitive uh, player development and enjoys teaching players of all levels from the beginning golfer, like some of you out there, right up to the PGA, or PGA Tour professional. So without any further ado, let me bring on my very good and special guest, uh, Brandon Stukesbury. Good evening, Brandon. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very well. Um, Brandon, last uh, last time when, when you were on, of course, you were with another good friend of mine, Mr. Clint Wright, uh, on the Coach's Corner panel, and and uh, you guys got into a little bit of a duel at the end there, uh, and not golf-related. Uh, I hope you guys managed to mend the, the fence. I hope you managed to mend the fence, and uh, I'll be able to have the two of you back on the panel discussion in the future. Hey, listen, one of, the, one of the great things about SEC fans is we can pick at each other about our respective alma maters and, and, uh, and, and favorite teams and then love each other every other week of the year. And so uh, we're, we're, certainly, we're certainly good. We had a phone call just a couple of days after we had the show and, and talked uh, at, at length about, uh, you know, the things we discussed. And, and uh, you know, it was, a great, it was a great experience for me and – and I'm I'm still a volunteer, and he's still a Florida Gator, but but we're uh, we're all good. <laughs> well, uh, for those of you that that aren't sure what we're talking about, if you go back a couple of weeks, I think it was June 23rd, if I'm not mistaken, was the date. Uh, Brandon Stukesbury and and uh, Clint Wright, of course, uh, who's been on the panel many many times, uh, had an interesting discussion at the end of. Uh, in fact, I had to boot them off the show in order to make room for my next <laughs> guest. But, anyways, we'll uh, go back and listen. It was a lot of fun. But, anyways. Um, John Hughes, of course, who I know you know well uh, as well, he's a, a great uh, teach professional, great coach, uh, was just 
on the show here, and he, he actually gave me a great segue into your book, which I was going to start the, the conversation off anyways. Uh, the, the book is called The, the Wedge Book, and I, and I want you, Brandon, if you wouldn't mind, uh, before we get into the sort of the meat potato of the books and what it's about, um, why don't you talk about the, the, the beginning concept um, to where it is now on the shelf? So talk about how the, how the concept of the book came about, uh, sort of the backstory, if you will, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about the book itself, what what uh, the readers can find in it. Sure, you know John John has uh, John has become a very good friend over the last couple of years, and, and I, I was not able to get on the call um, early enough to listen to your show with John, but I'm sure it went great. He is one of the best in our business, and I am very proud to call him a friend and a former instructor and golf professional. Um, and so I, I hope you guys had fun um, talking to him. But but yeah, the the the, the the book is kind of an interesting story. You know, I, I didn't start out as a short game guy. I started out as a golf instructor, right? I mean, I would help anybody mm-hmm. that, that came to me and needing, you know, help with anything in their game. And I still do, but, but I always told people, you know, I, I don't, I don't teach golf swing. I don't teach putting. I don't teach short game. I teach score or game improvement. Right. Meaning I will do whatever I need to do to help you improve and have more fun playing golf. Now that means lots of things to different people. Um, mm-hmm. But what I found as I would go through series of lessons with folks over months, weeks, or months, or perhaps even years, that as I would, as they would ask me for more improvement, I would teach them more short game, and they would improve more. Right. And so I started seeing a pattern. Uh, and and it and the, the more the more the pattern I saw, the more I wanted to get better at teaching the part of the game that made the biggest difference to the customer, to the golfer. And so I started reading and doing research and looking for things to get better at teaching short game. And to be honest with you, I didn't find a whole lot. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. find a lot of information out there in the marketplace specific to short game. Now there were a few books and a few videos by some uh, by some pretty well-known guys and some by some not very well-known guys. And there's, you know, lots of good information. But compared to the amount of the bulk of information that's out there on the full swing, there wasn't a whole lot. And so right. um, that, that was the first thing I noticed. And then as I, as I kind of got to, to looking around, you know, as instructors, one of the easiest ways to learn about how somebody teaches or how somebody does what they do is to go watch them give lessons or to actually take lessons from them yourself. And so mm-hmm. after I'd exhausted all my, my avenues in the world of books and videos, I started traveling and, and searching out people um, to, to, to get some short game help from. And I found even less information there than I had found right. in books. And sadly, uh, and I have to be delicate in how I say this because it, it makes me sure. sound a little pompous <laughs> and condescending sometimes, but, but sadly, a lot of the information that I found, quite frankly, wasn't very good. Um, and and yeah. what I mean by that is people weren't paying a lot of attention to how short game actually worked. And what I mean is how wedges are a very different golf club, meaning the way they're built, than the rest of the golf clubs in the bag. And the the, the dynamic sequencing of our body and the kinematic sequence, that's a real big word, but how our right. body moves with a wedge in her hand is very, very different than how it moves making a full swing with a seven iron or a driver. There wasn't, there right. wasn't a lot of that out there. And what I found is that people were kind of either ignoring short game altogether or maybe 
spending the last 10 or 15 minutes of a, of a one-hour full swing lesson trying to teach somebody how to hit a wedge shot. And the information, if they were giving any at all, just wasn't that thorough. Um, and, yeah. and so it, it kind of got me wondering, you know, why doesn't that exist? And, and, and maybe if it doesn't exist, maybe somebody should make it exist. Uh, and, and the wedge book was born. Um, that, that, that's kind of how the story goes. I wanted, I wanted that information collected in one place to where I felt like I could give it to a student and they could get some, some decent information in a, you know, in a small book that could be carried with them anywhere. And so there you have it. That's the story. You know, and, and you raise an interesting, uh, point, Brandon, with respect to, to, to golf. And, and of course, I know, I know you're referring to golf instruction in general. I, I think that part of it has been market driven. And, and what I mean by that is, is for years that the manufacturers of course have promoted and marketed, um, distance and, um, you know, that sort of thing, you know, with the latest and greatest, uh, driver out there, you know, hitting an extra 10, 20 or 30 yards. And the market has sort of been on the other side. And uh, obviously with all that, uh, heavy marketing, the, the industry has sort of followed along for, for many. And you're right. I mean, everybody certainly, most of the instructors out there will certainly talk about the short game and, and work on it. But again, they, they spent a lot of their time because most of the students coming to them were more interested about, well, how can I hit my driver farther? Or how can I be a little bit more uh, accurate or, or consistent with my, my iron play? But they really didn't grapple to the short game uh, as much. In fact, most people, if, and I'm sure, Brandon, you've experienced this as well, um, most people don't want to spend time around the green chipping and, and, and putting. They'll putt a little bit, but because it's not, uh, for lack of better words, it's not sexy. They want to get out there and they want to grab that driver and they want to see how far they can launch it out, uh, you know, out in the practice tee or out down the fairway. So the, the areas of, of golf that they really need to be focusing on the market really hasn't been uh, focusing on that for a long, long time. And it's only really been probably the last decade or so, um, maybe two decades that we're starting to see more of that come through. But again, even that was very limited as, as you just pointed out. So for the average consumer out there, for the average student or amateur out there, what do they need to be focusing? The pros obviously understand the amateurs don't. Explain the difference, why the pros get it, why the amateurs don't. Well, I'm not so sure the pros get it. The pros pay professionals to tell them. Sure. Uh, no, no, di- no different than any other golfer, and make no mistake, and I'm not taking anything mm. away from those guys. Um, they're, they're fantastic athletes. They're incredible golfers. They're excellent players, but make no mistake, they don't have knowledge above and beyond what most people do. You know, they pay guys just like right. John and I to help them understand right. that. Now, and here's what people need to Here's what people need to take away from this. The professionals that you see on the weekend play a different game. Right. At that level, how far you can hit it is a game changer because mm-hmm. it allows them to hit shorter irons into greens. And when you can hit mm-hmm. shorter irons into greens, you can hit them closer and you have a higher percentage of making that putt. Okay. Right. And so at that level, distance is king. And that's a lot of why I think you've seen the manufacturers make such a large push in that direction. Profit margin, I think, is another one, but that's a conversation sure. for another day. <laughs> but, but, but at that level, if you can hit it farther, 
and I don't mean they're more accurate because statistically mm-hmm. those guys are not very accurate. Um, they get right. far fewer percentages of fairways than most people would give them credit for. Um, but but at that level, the farther you hit it, the better chance you have of winning. But it's not the same game at the amateur level. And what I mean by yeah. that is 85 to 90% of the amateur golfers, and that may be a low percentage, can't hit it that far. It doesn't matter what golf club they use. They can't move their bodies that fast. Right. So the far, far greater percentage of their golf shots come from 100 yards and in than they do at the upper levels of the game. And so that's why right. at the amateur level, short game is so important, but you never hear that conversation happening because all you ever hear is at the higher level where distance is a premium. And so right, exactly. I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right in that it is market-driven. And the billion-dollar marketing giants, uh, you know, the Titleist and TaylorMades and Callaways of the world, um, have, have spent an exorbitant amount of money telling the golfing population that more distance is the answer. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not knocking any of those manufacturers when I say this, but let's no. be honest, if I gained 12 yards every time TaylorMade told me I was going to, I'd be hitting it 900 by now. Yeah, um, and, 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 and that's and, – yeah. You know, yeah, that's the criticism I've had over the years. I mean, and again, I understand what they're saying, but uh, I look at it this way. It, it doesn't matter what club you put in somebody's hand. If they don't know how to use the club properly, if they don't know how to swing it properly to get the maximum out of it, um, it, it's really of no use. I mean, you can put, uh, you know, certainly within reason, but you can put, uh, you know, a standard run-of-the-mill driver in somebody's hand, and you can put, um, you know, a $400 driver in somebody's hand, and if they don't understand the, the general mechanics of the swing and how to swing that club properly, they're not going to really notice a lot. There certainly will be some difference, but not as uh, it's going to be negligible compared to what they're being, uh, you know, sold uh, in the store. And I think this is something, too, that a lot of people have become frustrated. I mean, I know, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, Brandon, um, a lot of people have become frustrated. that The handicaps are not changing. They're bought, they've bought into this for so long. And so the, the momentum, if you will, the excitement has sort of petered off for some, not certainly all, but for some, because they're not seeing the results, because they're they're too busy, again, looking at, at, at the distance as, as the um, – sort of be all end all of improving their game. And it's really not where they need to be focusing on. Certainly some more distance can help, but at that level, it's not going to make a, it's not going to be a game changer for them. So I guess, Brandon, what we want to talk about here is let's talk about your book in the sense that what information have you got in the book that will help the, the average golfer out there understand what they're not understanding right now about the wedge game? Yeah, sure. That's a great question, right? And so if, if you read the book, you know, the way I wrote the book, I wrote the book as if you were standing in front of me for a series of five to ten lessons on the short game, meaning I present mm-hmm. the information in the book the same way I would present it to any golfer from the rank beginner all the way to a PGA Tour player. I present the information the same way. And so, so I talked earlier about, you know, I didn't find a lot of information out there. One of the biggest things that was missing was any sort of plan for how to move from close to the green to back away from the green, 
meaning how to hit a chip shot versus how to hit one that's 15 yards away from the edge of the green versus how to hit one that's 40 yards away from the edge of the green. And so right. common sense would tell you, well, just make a bigger golf swing. Well, it's not that simple. It's a right. different game than it is when you're at full swing, right, when you're at full speed. Mm-hmm. And so sure. that's, really, that, 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 that's really what you're going to find in the book is you're going you're gonna to find a, an introductory chapter on what I call the common denominators, meaning that the things that you will see in the technique of short game that are common to all the different shots surrounding the green. And then the book goes chapter by chapter starting right up next to the edge of the green, which I classify as a bump and run. Uh, most people call right. it a chip shot. That's okay. That's just different terminology. And then sure. I, chapter after chapter, I back you further and further away from the hole, or I, I should say the edge of the green, not the hole, because that's a whole other concept. Um, back you away from the edge of the green and teach you how to systematically learn how to hit each of those golf shots. Um, and and that, that's probably the biggest takeaway I hope that people have from my book it's not there are there is some technique in the book but it's much less about technique and much more about a game plan for attacking Mm. which kind of golf shot you need given a certain situation and then some technical aspects on how to set up and hit that golf shot right and it it really becomes boils down to strategy you know, Clint, and I'm sure Clint in, in your discussion probably talked about this. He always refers to um, the third shot. And what he means by that is is exactly what you're talking about. You know, everybody's focusing on the first shot, and that's certainly important. But as you pointed out earlier, even the PGA uh, pros, in fact, probably one of the best examples I can think of is Tiger. Um, you know, when Tiger was was playing at, at the height of his, his game a number of years ago, um, he wasn't hitting every fairway. Um, in fact, uh, more often than not, he was hitting out of the rough, but he was able to, um, you know, hit those second and third shots with such precision that it didn't matter if he didn't hit the fairway. He was able to recover. Um, and, and that's the problem that most amateurs fail is they're, they're so worried about trying to get it into the fairway that they're neglecting other areas, as, as you're pointing out in your book, um, that they really need to be focusing on and understanding the benefits um, of, of those uh, other shots, whether it be a bump and run or a chip, as you said. And, and this is really what I think a lot of people have, have, you know, become frustrated is because they're really focusing at the wrong end of the game. Um, you know, whether you hit it 150 yards straight or 250 yards with a little bit of a bend to it is really irrelevant. It's certainly going to help um, depending on the situation that you're in, but it's how you're going to handle it from that point on from hundred yards in, as you, as you pointed out in your book. And, um, you know, you've obviously got the research to back it up. And I think that, um, you know, this is where people need to understand. It goes back to commitment as well. And, and Brandon, you know as well as I do that, you know, it's, it's what you want. What you put in your game is what you're going to get out of it. If you put nothing into it, then you're going to get nothing out of it. So how can we help? Uh, obviously, we want to get people to get a copy of the book but um, so they can better understand what we're talking about because obviously we visually can't show them things uh, here on the, on the air. But um, what are some things, if you were to, to put it in a nutshell, what do you want people to focus on um, more than what they're, they're doing now? Well, I think, there's, there's, I think there's, two, there's two answers I'll give you to that question. I, I, had this, I had a similar conversation with a new student the other day, and, and here's what I told him. You know, he came to me, and he's a typical 20 to 22 handicap, right? Um, he's mm-hmm. going to 
shoot 95 to 100, you know, every time he goes out there. And I would say that probably, you know, references the vast majority of the golfers in our business, uh, like it or not. That's where they are. The average score in America is about 102 and a half, I think, the last time I saw. Here's a conversation right. I had with him. I said, listen, if we can just get you to hit it reasonably solid every time you make a full swing. Notice mm-hmm. I said reasonably. Doesn't mean every right. one will be solid. But if we can just advance it airborne, meaning we don't top it or we don't chunk it, right? We just right. get it up in the air and moving in the direction of the target every time we hit it, then you can cover the length of the hole, any hole you play, in regulation. Meaning yep. a par three, you can get it somewhere within 30 yards of the hole in regulation in a par two or on a par four, you'd take you two shots. You might cover a 400 yard par four in two shots and you might cover a 500 yard par five in three shots. If you can just mm-hmm. get within 30 to 40 yards of the hole, which in reality is not asking for that much, right? No, just keep it in play. I don't care if one goes right and one goes left, just keep it in play. If you can get within 35 to 40 yards of the hole, and then you can learn to just make the third shot to Clint's point. Stop yep. somewhere on the green. Just get it on the green. Doesn't have to be mm-hmm. close. You have a chance to make a par. Right. That's what I tell people. Most people that play to a twenty to a twenty five handicap are gonna hit two to three greens in regulation. Okay? Assuming mm-hmm. they don't three putt. If you do, you need some work on putting, right? But it'll, okay, let's say you hit three, and I'll give you one three putt, okay? And so right. you, you make one bogey there, but you have 15 holes that you didn't hit the green on. If you give yourself a chance to make a par on 15 holes, how many pars do you think you'll make? Three or four, right? I mean, you got to hit a couple in there yeah. to five or six sure. out of 15 tries, right? Yep. So you've now made two pars on the greens in regulation you hit and three to four pars on the other holes. Let's call it three pars. So you've made five pars, and you've made 15 minus three is 12, and 12 bogeys. Guess what right. you just shot? 84. Yep. If you just gave yourself a chance to make a putt. So that's how important short game is. And so if there's anything I could ask you to help me with and your audience to help me with as a golf instructor, understand mm-hmm. the importance of short game. Understand that adding another 15 yards to your drive does not get you in the hole faster. Right. I used to have I used to have a game that I would play with my students. It takes a while to do this and very few people will do it, but I used to go out with them and I would say, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you hit it until you get it inside 100 yards, and then I'm going to take over. And let's see what we shoot together at the end of the day. And I'll show you how important short game is. Because with your long game and my short game, we may still break 80. Right. And that's hitting one out of bounds, or that's hitting one in the water. Right, and so mm-hmm. help help me as an instructor tell our game people that play our game 
that short game is not only worth paying attention to, but it's vastly more important than most amateurs give it credit for. That's the biggest thing I could I could want from anybody is just understand how important it is and the impact it can make on your game and on your score. People can say what they want. Lower scores help you have more fun when you play. Not oh, hitting for sure. 15 yards farther. Yeah, right. and and I, I, yeah, exactly. And I think really the most people that tend to focus on you know, hitting those extra yards are the people that aren't scoring very well. They want to have some, they want to have some, you know, gratification, if you will, when they go to the golf course, say, well, Hey, you know, I hit a 275 yard drive, um, but I still shot, you know, 103. Um, You know, they, they look, and that's really, if you think about it, that's the mentality they have. They know that they're not going to score well. So they want to at least, you know, have bragging rights to say, Hey, you see that monster drive. I, you know, I, I bashed down the middle of the fairway. Um, you know, it was only on one hole, but that's what they'll remember for the round. They won't remember, you know, all the other bad shots that they hit, you know, and I'm trying to think, and and I'm not sure if I've got his name correct or not. And and so if you know who I'm talking about, you can correct me. I think it was Wally Armstrong um, was with the PGA a number of years ago. And there was a video when golf channel first sort of came on the air and you may, you may have remembered this or, or may not, I'm not sure. But anyways, what he did was, to sort of further your point, he played three holes, a, a par three, four, and a par five. And he played with a seven iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter. And he ended up shooting uh, overall with three holes, one under par. And the point that he was making with his uh, demonstration was that you didn't have to bomb it, you know, 250. And of course, this is back when they were still playing with Persimmon Woods. But, you know, his point was how important the short game was and keeping it in play as you talked about a little a uh, few moments ago was the importance of keeping it in play and basically what he did off of every shot uh, off every tee he hit a seven iron and you know he got himself in play for his next shot and he just went through and on uh, I think on the par three I think he ended up um, uh, parring at par four I believe he parred as well and it was the par five of course that he set himself up for a birdie but point that he was making was really what you're making here is that it's great if you can hit a long way off the tee but it's even better if you've got a tight short game and a solid short game to be able to navigate yourself around the golf course because that's where your scoring is going to improve and once you score better um, then you're going to play better and enjoy the game Um, correct absolutely no question no question. And if I, you know, if, if, if I, I'm telling you, people, if you want to have more fun playing golf, shoot lower scores. I, you know, and don't, don't worry about distance. Worry about a lower score. Find out what it takes to shoot a lower score. That that will lead you to short game more often than it ever will full swing and long game, in my opinion. Yeah. I- yeah, I, I think what it goes to, and, and you know, I touched a little bit about this with John. I think that, and I mentioned earlier with you as well. But I think what it really a lot of it is, Brandon, is I think the average golfer, um, just bottom line, just doesn't enjoy practicing the short game. Um, that, you know, it's just not, you know, it's not as exciting. It's not fulfilling. Um, you know, lots of uh, instructors have talked about, you know, making it, uh, you know, interesting, having some some putting contests with with a with a, a buddy or something, and and making some different uh, games, if you will, uh, on the practice tee. 
uh, or the driving range or the putting green, what have you. Um, but there's a lot of people that have a hard time doing that. So if, if you are working with a student, what do you do or how do you encourage them um, to be able to make it more interesting for them that they're going to want to do that, that they're going to want to get out there and work on that? Because you know as well as I do, you know, if you can bomb it to, you know, 275 to 300 yards, uh, you know, out in the practice tee, that's exciting. But, you know, chipping from 5 feet or 10 feet or 20 feet um, off the green is not as exciting. How do we make it a little bit more exciting, and, and what do we do to convince people that this is where they need to be focusing? Yeah, so I think I think you you hit it on the head a second ago when you made the comment about practice games. You know, I I have tons and tons, literally pages and pages full of games that I play or have with or have students play when they practice short game. Um, you can either play those games on your own. You can play those games with a partner, with multiple playing partners. You know, it's a very different way to practice and it doesn't come naturally to most people. You know, you kind of have to figure out how to do this, um, so much so that I'm half thinking about writing my next book on practicing. Uh, but, but I think <laughs> if you can do that, I think if you can do that, it, it, it allows you to stay engaged, right, which is a huge problem mm-hmm. even in full swing practice, which, again, is a sure. topic of conversation for another day. But, but a huge problem of practicing – either the wrong stuff or in the wrong way. And I think it, it costs people a, a lot of, a lot of grief and a lot of sweat, uh, perhaps even a lot of blood when they're out there practicing. If they would just do it a little different way, it would make a huge difference, but you have to keep it interesting. To your point, you're right. Um, most people don't like practicing short game. I, I, I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm going to add in there that most people don't like practicing short game, perhaps because they don't know how. Now, they don't right. really know how in full swing either as, as a general rule, but they think they know how in full swing. Um, they, they, they think that just getting out there and, and hitting balls is practice. I, I could make an argument that it's not, but, but that's not the point. I think if you, right. know how, if you know how to practice short game in a way that keeps you engaged, then I think it becomes a lot more enjoyable. And mm-hmm. so there are some resources out there that, that, that can help you kind of figure through, you know, figure that out and fight through that and find ways to keep you interested and engaged. Things that allow you to track your progress, to track how many points you're getting, you know, on Tuesday versus your practice session on Thursday. And there's a lot of, um, mm-hmm. there are a lot of ancillary benefits to practicing that way from a mental standpoint, um, you know, and preparing you to, for the pressures of, of playing golf. But I think you got to find a way to keep yourself engaged. Um, and, yeah. and I think in the absence of that information, people just avoid it. And yeah, that's I, 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 I agree. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I, I want to shift gears just a little bit if we can. Um, first off, um, just to let everybody know, where can they get a copy of the book? Yeah, sure. So my website is the best way to, is the best place to go to get that. Um, it's uh, bsgolf.com. No pun intended for those of you out there who have dirty minds. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it actually stands for Brandon Stooksbury, not the other thing. But right. bsgolf.com. Um, Stooksburygolf.com will get you there too, but Stooksbury is not exactly easy to spell. So bsgolf.com, uh, just you, right in the dead middle of the page when it comes up, 
you'll find a way to uh, to get it there. I, I offer it in three different ways. You can buy it digitally through Amazon. On a Kindle, you can buy the book from Amazon, or I sell a signed, a personalized signed copy off my webpage as well. So, but it's all right there. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. So they can get a digital format, or they can get it in a hard copy, uh, a hard cover, not a hard cover, but a, a covered version as well, if they want a signed copy from you off the website. Correct. Okay. I, I want to shift gears just a little bit, um, and I want to talk about. You know, I believe, obviously, as I'm sure you would uh, understand this, that it's become a visual and a virtual world, if you will. And, and you'll understand when I when I complete the the sentence here. As instructors, you know, we're we're combated with social media. Um, the amateurs are com- combated with social media. How do we adapt as instructors and overcome the the continual competition? I don't mean against one another, but um, we're competing against the social media market, if you will, um, with with not not only each other, but for other areas of social media as well. We want to get people engaged and get them out there playing and enjoying the game and having fun. But there's so many distractions out there with social media. The other thing as well is from an instructor's standpoint, how do we make best use of um, social media to our benefit, um, to engage with, with some of the students out there, not only our current students, but new students coming in. And then as a student, um, how do we guard against getting overloaded with information that maybe is not giving us the best information? As you know, um, Brandon, there's a ton of videos and uh, a lot of misinformation that's over the internet as well that uh, the average amateur golfer has to be careful of. So how do we help the instructors make better use of social media uh, to, to reap the benefits? And then how do we uh, educate the consumers out there that they're not just you know, listening to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's out there. How do we how do we handle both sides of it? Well, I, oh boy, there's a lot in those questions. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure I've got the answers to all of them, but but let me let me try. So, at the end of the day, I think it comes down. Well, here's what I would say first from the instructor side. You know, how how, how do we make better use of it? I, I think the future of that business, um, speaking as an instructor, will go the way of paying for specific access to organized information. Uh, And what I mean by that is there are several of those sites out there right now where you maybe pay a monthly fee or whatever, and you just get access to an entire archive of videos, and you're left to your own device, you're left to your own you know, whatever, to just sort through hours upon hours upon hours of video. And on the surface, that appears to be a fantastic value. Um, the problem with that mm-hmm. is with, without the assistance of someone qualified to help you sort through that information, then then it becomes problematic. And so I think the future will have will have services and websites out there to where you can almost get a personalized coaching plan from an mm-hmm. instructor like me, no different than you might if you were to come to me. For example, right. you know, you you might pay a monthly fee and you might take a quiz or something, you know, can you do this or I want you to go play nine holes and you do this and you record this information and then you bring it back 
and you put it in to, you know, to the system, and then it spits out and analyzes that, and then it tells you based on your performance. I'm, I'm really, I'm spitballing here. Uh, I'm making this up as I go, but no. based on your performance, the weaker parts of your game are here. Click in this area to go straight to how to improve your short game, or click in this area to right. to talk about how to improve your putting. And then once you go into that area, then you have an instructor like me who might say, okay, step one in improving your short game is making sure you have the common denominators down. Can you do this? And there might be a five to eight minute video on each of the four or five common denominators. You know, and then step two, we're going to start right up at the edge of the green and we're going to learn how to hit a bump and run shot properly. And then step three, we're going to move back, so forth and so on. Um, And so I think that's where the future is probably going to head. Um, from a social media standpoint, I think what you're going to start to see is you're going to start to see people uh, no different than any instructor has their stable of clients, meaning they have their 60 mm-hmm. to 80 to 100 guys that pretty much make up 80% of their business, um, will right. start to be on virtual teams, if you will, right? And they mm-hmm. will compete against one another virtually on this board. And this instructor might post information that's specific to his team or her team, or they might put out challenges. All right, team, I want everybody to go play nine holes this weekend, and whoever has the fewest amounts of putts, you know, uh, is going to get a free video lesson or things of that nature where, right. where you start to see instructors engage with people virtually, where right now we engage with them personally face-to-face on a team. Um and, and I, I, I right, and I, I'm scared to death think of that, that world because I'm, I'm yeah. just old enough to be outside that. Um, but I think that's yeah. where we're headed. Yeah, you're right. I I agree with that because I think what you're seeing now, and you're starting to see it, is the younger generation that's coming up. They don't. Number one, they don't want to allocate the same time that maybe you know your father or my father would have done. Um, you know, going to seeing their their local professional. Um, they don't have an hour to spend but they could maybe spend 20 minutes looking, uh, you know, through a virtual connection, um, looking at that information and doing it at different times of the day. For instance, you know, traditionally they might've uh, gone for, uh, you know, either an early morning or a weekend lesson or whatever the case may have been. Um, now they can access that information 24 seven. So when it's convenient um, for them, that's when they're going to be able to access the information virtually where, you know, they're not getting it now, you know, one-on-one with you or I, um, you know, they're, they're limited to whatever time our, our business hours are. So I think you're right. I think you're going to see that. Um, and, and I think you're, you're also really, you covered both sides of it with, with your answer because, you, you know, you talked about really, um, you know, they're still going to need somebody to help them sift through all of this material because there is a lot of material made available out there um, both through qualified instructors, but also from, you know, people that just, you know, played a number of rounds of golf and think they have something to say. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a lot of misinformation or misunderstandings that, that get derived from that. And I'm sure you've had students come to you, um, especially some of your beginner students come and say, well, Hey, I, I saw this video on YouTube and right away, you know, you can just sort of feel inside your, yourself sinking because you know, what's coming. They're going to come up with something that, that probably doesn't really add up. 
but it's something that they saw. So you have to be able to learn how to handle that uh, appropriately without offending them, number one, but without necessarily, um, you know, mocking whatever source they may have gotten it from. So there, I think there's going to be a balancing act um, with that on both sides. Um, but you're right. I think that's the way it's going. It's just the way the society has driven um, social media. Um, Brandon, what about as far as instructors um, obviously promoting themselves? We see it all the time in the different golf groups and things like that. There's a lot of guys on there that get into some of the discussions. Some of them get a little heated at times. Um, is there a danger that we're spending too much time in social media as far as you know, Facebook and Twitter and, and that sort of thing? How do we find balance there? Is there a danger for who, the instructor or the student? For Yeah, for the instructors, I'm sorry. Well, I think it's I, – I, I think – I can tell you how I use it, okay? Um, I use it as – I use it as a sounding board, meaning there might be right. times when I ask other professionals for ideas, whether that be respect – you know, with respect to teaching or it might be a piece of technology, you know, or it might be something as simple as, hey, my, my – you know, my tripod broke, what you know? What what's the best tripod you guys have seen out there? You know, and, and so I, I use it in that way. Um, I think it absolutely can be very very dangerous um, for mm-hmm. guys to, to to get too deep into that. Because here's the one thing I'll tell you: uh, if you're spending all the time that you're spending on that, you ain't spending that time on the tea, uh, right? Teaching, um, and either they're charging six hundred dollars an hour and teaching half as much as I am. Um, or, or they're not teaching as much as I, I mean, you know, I I don't, I don't, sometimes it just doesn't add up, you know? Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I think it can be dangerous Uh, and and so much so that you don't see me, you don't see me participate. And yeah, when I say me, you don't see a lot of coaches like, you know, like John, I mean, I, you know, if, if Mm. if I see John pop up in a forum, I'm reading it because I know it's something he's either asking for help or it's something meaningful. Right. And right. I'm, it's sad to say that I can't say that about everybody in those forums, you know, because th- those guys are just sometimes they're just looking for you know, ways to vent or, you know, they just want to go on and on and on. And, and I've fallen into the trap a couple of times. I've, you know, I've put my two cents in on what I thought trying to be helpful. And then you just get attacked and, and I back out yeah. quickly. It's just not worth, you know, it's just not worth it to me to, to get involved in that. And so, um, yeah, I think there's absolutely a possibility that it's that that you know you can get into some trouble. I, I think that being said, I still belong to all of them, and I monitor sure. them all. Uh, you know, I'm just very choosy on what I get involved in and what I read and what I don't read. Yeah, and, and I think what you know, one of the things that I use social media as, as anybody that follows the program knows, um, you know, I use it obviously for for promotion of the, of the program of the broadcast to let people know where and when, and who's going to be available, <clears throat> excuse me, who's going to be on the show that uh, any given week. And I try to limit one of the things that I try to do with social media, because I think it is important. I think you have to engage in social media. Uh, you certainly have to be involved. Um, one of the things that, that I find a little bit cumbersome is, you know, and, and I'm not going to get into specifics, but there are some out there that are constantly berating you or, with with posts and things to the point where it, it and I've even had it on my own pages where people have posted things on I'm getting to the point now where I've got to cut them off because they're just every day it's they're throwing something else in there a lot of times it's just advertisement 
Um, and I'm very appreciative that people have allowed me to advertise this particular broadcast, but I try to limit um, two times a week. I have two different shows. I have this show, of course, Golf Talk Live on Thursday nights, and then I have the Women of Golf show um, with my co-host, Cindy Miller, that I broadcast on Tuesday mornings. You know, I try to limit one post per show uh, each week so that I'm not bombarding. Of course, I, I do it through pretty much all the groups, but I try to limit that exposure so that people aren't getting sick of seeing um, you know, my, my face popping up there. But at the same time, I get the message that I want out there, and I think it's worked very – there's a balance, as I said earlier, um, very well, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about. And I, I'm like you. I, I stay out of the groups. I, I certainly monitor them, but I try to stay out because I find them – um, again, I want to spend more of my time engaging with my clientele and, and you know, helping to grow the game and not spending all day long, you know, t- tweeting this or uh, updating this on, on Facebook and so forth um, because I have other things I need to do. And I think you're probably along the same lines as that. Same with John. Um, I, I want to talk about, if, if we can, unless you have any other thoughts you want to add about that. No, 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 no. You pretty much covered it. I mean, I, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's a yeah, it's a balancing act. It's an important, uh, certainly business tool. Social media. I think you have to be engaged in it um, on some level in order to be, uh, you know, to keep yourself out there. But at the same time, you have to find a balance. And and some some well, go a little too far, I think. And you know, well, well look here. Here's the rule. I sorry, go ahead. And if any if any instructors are out there listening, you know, and and you care what I have to say in the world of social media, that you know, I don't know that you should, but. If you do, here's what I would tell you. If you have something meaningful to add to the conversation, meaning if you think you know something about the conversation that's happening that you think might be meaningful to somebody like me that might be listening or reading, say it. If it's not meaningful, don't type it. That would be my suggestion, right? Um, Yep. You know, and so that's the rule I use with my with my own Facebook page when I'm when I'm talking to customers and clients and potential customers and followers I have. If I feel like it's meaningful to them, I will post it or I will right. comment on it. If they comment to me and I can't say something back to them that is meaningful, I won't. Yeah, now, I might hit the like button to tell them that I heard them, right? You know, hey, mm-hmm. I got you. I read this, but if I don't have anything meaningful to add, I'm just, I'm just not going to say it. You know, and, and I think if everybody followed that rule, social media forums would be a great place to be. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. not everybody does follow that rule, and so we can get into some tight conversations. But um, it's an interesting world, I'll tell you. It's, it's, and like I said, I'm at the age to where I, I very much, I very much remember the business without it, and now right. I'm experiencing. It with it and it's, yeah. it's been really interesting to see how it, it all goes and it will continue to be interesting to see how it moves in the future yeah exactly well said um the last bit i, I want to talk about brandon is is really about you I, I want you to um explain to the audience if you will what you find the most fun the most challenging and the most rewarding about golf Whoa. Ted, brother, you could have sent me that question three or four days ago uh, to let me think <laughs> um, Say it again, fun, rewarding, and what? Fun, challenging, and rewarding. So we'll, we'll tackle fun. Obviously, what do you find uh, the most fun about golf? Um, and that doesn't have to be the game, but it could be about your involvement in it as, as a uh, teacher professional coach. 
Um, is that, uh, I mean, obviously we, we all enjoy playing the game. That's, that's a given, I think, but, uh, um, let's take it from your, your professional status. Um, what do you find the most fun about, uh, about being a, a coach and a, a teacher professional? And, um, obviously there's some challenging aspects and, and, uh, what's some of the rewards that, that you, well, uh, that you, you get? You know, I would say I would say the 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 fun part of it for me. Look, I, I like to be around people. I'm a people person. I joke to people all the time that I'm the guy that will talk to a brick wall, and probably get something <laughs> from the conversation. Uh, and, and, I, and I know not everybody's that way. My wife certainly isn't. We laugh at each other all the time, and how we ever ended up together um, because she's not that way at all, um, and I very much am. Uh, and so, I, being that way, I love being around people. Um, you're right. I did love the game of golf. I played the game of golf. It was the sport that I kind of uh, drifted toward. I played a lot of sports, you know, and coming up as a kid and, and through high school, but golf is the one that kind of stuck with me. And so mm-hmm. if, you like to be, if you like to be around people and you like golf, then the golf business is perfect. Um, right. It's funny, looking back, if I'd gotten into this business to play more golf, then I would have gotten into another business that allowed me to be around people that play a lot more golf than I play. Um, but, but, um, but I think that's probably the, the, the fun part of me is getting to do, to, to, to be around people and to, to be social in a golf mm-hmm. environment. I mean, I have the most fantastic office on planet earth. Um, right. You know, I'm not standing out day you know you know in a junior camp when it was a heat index of 105 i might have disagreed with you uh but in retrospect <laughs> uh, you know I, I have it pretty good you know i mean i, I get right. to stand outside every day and i get to be around people it, it, here's what's cool about golf people come to the golf name me one other profession where you get to be around people that are there for the sole reason to escape everything else in their life. Yep. Now maybe a resort guy, you know, maybe gets that, uh, you know, but people sometimes are in bad moods, but usually people are in pretty good moods when they get to the golf course um, because they're there to leave everything else behind. And right. so it's fun to, it's, to have a profession that allows me to be around people that feel that way. Um, interestingly enough, what about, I'm going to turn that I'm going to turn that right around and say that's also a challenge is dealing with yeah. the multiple personalities that you deal with each and every day on the teaching team. Uh, you know, having mm-hmm. to switch your personality and your approach from person to person and from hour to hour, depending on who you have. Uh, you know, you're right. teaching a competitive player one minute, and you've got to be half psychologist and half scientist. And then you get Mrs. Jones that, that really is just there because she wants to get out of the house and not be embarrassed when she plays golf. And then you have to switch to Mr. Jones, who doesn't practice and plays on the weekends, but expects that he should be able to master the, you know, the, the, the swing changes <laughs> to try to teach him. Uh, you know, and, and we, we right. say all that in laughter, but that's that's my day, right? Uh, and, yeah. and then by the afternoon, I've got Mr. and Mrs. Jones, Jones' eight-year-old grandson, who doesn't really care about golf, just wants to have fun. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. so each and every hour, you have to change. Your personality literally has to morph 
or I believe it should morph for you to be as good an instructor as you could be. Some people view that differently. Some people think that, you know, to be a, the best instructor you could be, you should find your niche and you should be who you are, uh, you know, to everybody. And then some people just don't want to come to you because they don't fit you. And that's fine. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I get that. Yeah. But I, I don't see it that way. I was trained differently. And that's definitely the challenge is yeah. morphing and, into and who you need to be based on who's in front of you. Right. And obviously the rewards from that is, is I'm, I would, I'm sure you would agree that uh, the satisfaction of knowing that you've helped somebody not just improve their game, but you've helped somebody um, have fun, you know, well, you know you've introduced yeah, them I mean, to a Right. Absolutely. Improving the game is the last part of that. Right. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you look as cliche as it sounds, right. And it sounds like I'm writing a chicken soup for the golfer's soul book here, but, but I literally <laughs> change lives golf swing yeah. by golf swing every day because if, if if people can come to a place where they n- need to escape stress in their life whatever that stress source of stress may be mm-hmm. and they can walk away from that experience having enjoyed it i've impacted their life yeah. and how many people get to say that they do that on a, you know, bankers don't impact people's lives, not the not bankers, no. but you know, just as an example, uh, you know, um, I mean, doctors maybe, attorneys mm-hmm. maybe get to feel that every now and then, but I literally on a daily basis I impact lives of my players, and that's cool, that's really cool to me. Yeah, that's I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, I, I I think that they're really is very few professions out there that provide as much enjoyment. As you said, you know, you're, you're outside, you're dealing and yeah, sometimes, you know, depending on where you're located, you're dealing with some very inclement weather. Um, me being in Florida, you of course being in Georgia, just a stone's throw away. It can get pretty darn hot here and steamy in the, in the summer months, but you know what? Um, I wouldn't trade what we do um, really for anything. I've done other professions before, and uh, this by far is, is certainly the most rewarding and most enjoyable. And the one thing I think that I would say, and I think you kind of alluded to earlier, is if you're getting into the golf profession, um, and I'm referring to as an instructor or coach, in the hopes of playing more golf, uh, if you're successful as a coach or a teach professional, you're going to quickly learn that you're not going to play as much golf as you think you're going to, um, you're going to teach lots and you're going to help others enjoy the game, but uh, you'll find it's not always easy sometimes to be able to play yourself. And and again, that goes back to finding balance, but I know a few people we've had on the show over the years uh, have said that they got in hoping to, you know, play more golf and they did initially, but once they started getting busy and I'm sure Brandon, you can allude to this as well, that uh, sometimes it's not always easy to get out in the golf course and, and actually play yourself um, once you get, uh, you know, full fledged into your career, you know, it's funny. I told somebody today, I'm like the 45 year old former collegiate basketball player who's now in a rec league, right. And you're on a fast break and you, you know, the guy's getting in front of mm-hmm. you and your, and, and your brain says, all right, I'm going to dribble between my legs, do a spin move, take two steps and do a little layup. And then you start that and your body goes, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. You're not 22 in college anymore. That's how I feel on a golf course, right? My mind still sees the golf shot, 
but I'm not yep. polished and practiced enough to produce it. And so that, that comes with its own little set of challenges. Um, but, uh, you know, look, it's still a job. Make no mistake, I love my job, but it's still a job. Yep. And the, the more you work at your job, the less you, the less time you have to have fun doing anything else, whether that's fishing or playing guitar or doing whatever it is you do. And so, the better I get at my job, the less golf I play. Yeah, sad, but that's that's yep. the way I think anybody, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, if you're a fantastic that's true. engineer. You know, then then your 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 services are going to be in demand, and you're going to work more to make money to make your family more comfortable, and then you do less of what you do when you're not being an engineer. That's just how it works. And so, I don't look at that as I don't look at that as a, a bad thing. I look at it as almost a badge of honor. You know, right, I mean, I'm exactly. fortunate enough to be busy, and my time is in demand, and so I I play less golf. That's the way it rolls. You know, maybe one of these days I can hit the lottery or something. And I won't have to teach 40, 50 hours a week, and I can actually play golf. But until then, you know, um, yeah. I'm going to keep making. I'm going to keep making bogeys, thinking I should be making birdies. That's just the way it rolls. So, right, exactly. Well, Brandon, I want to. We literally only got a minute or two left here, and and I want to thank you for coming on and and sharing uh, not only your book and and um, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up for a copy of your book. Um, I'll, we'll talk about that later, but um, I would love to have a copy, and uh, I'll, I'll reach out to you uh, after the show. But um, I appreciate your your thoughtfulness and your insight into the game, and you're a true uh, true professional. And I look forward to having you back on the uh, Coach's Corner panel. Uh, for some future discussions, we're going to have some great uh, conversations coming up here in, in the weeks and months ahead. So I look forward to having you come back on there. And uh, good luck with uh, with what you're doing. And, and I know that uh, you're a great asset to the game. And I, I appreciate uh, you coming on Golf Talk Live tonight. Well, thank you for that. I really had a lot of fun. And <clears throat> keep up the good work. What you're doing, I think, is fantastic for, for our business, both as instructors as well as the general public playing golf. And so it was an honor to be invited, and I appreciate the opportunity. Look forward to more in the future. Well, Brandon, like I said, uh, you have an open invitation. I know you're going to be coming back for Coach's Corner, but, uh, you know, um, I'm going to have you back on as, as a guest at, at a later point. Again, we'll have some uh, some other discussions uh, at that particular time and maybe something uh, a little bit different than what we did tonight, but I appreciate you coming on and, and letting the folks learn a little bit more about uh, Brandon Stukesbury. And, and uh, again, just give them very quickly where they can uh, go to the website that they can go to to learn not only uh, more about yourself, but also uh, if they're interested in getting a copy of the book. Yeah, sure. It's just BS Golf. So B as in Bravo, S as in Sierra, uh, bsgolf.com. That's the best way uh, to get any information you need from me uh feel free to pick up a book if you like fill out a contact form uh, if you want to contact me directly my phone number's there you're welcome to call me at any time um yeah i'd love to hear from you well again brandon thank you very much for for coming on the show and, and i look forward to you uh, uh joining us on the panel in in future and and uh i i I'll, i think i'll give you and clint one more try together and we'll see how that works out and <laughs> Otherwise, oh, I may have to keep you. Come I may on, have to split on. you. Up. <laughs> oh, it's all, it's all in good jest, man. That's just an SEC yeah. fan for you. We're good. That's right. That's right. Um, Brennan, enjoy uh, enjoy the Open Championship this weekend. If you get a chance to to watch, I'm sure you will uh, watch some of that and and uh, watch some of the the big boys play, and and we'll see who's going to be the winner come Sunday. And uh, um, keep up the great work, and I look forward to having you back on the show again real soon. Thanks so much, man. Talk to you soon. 
All right. Thanks, Brandon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was my very special guest, uh, Brandon Stukesbury uh, of uh, Stukesbury Golf and also the uh, director of instruction at the Idle Hour uh, Club in Macon, Georgia. Very special guest. Uh, again, I apologize to the listeners tonight for uh, Coach's Corner. We weren't able to uh, to pull that off tonight. Un- unfortunately, as John had, had alluded to, he had uh, uh, some delays, and I suspect that was probably the same uh, issue for Todd. But uh, uh, join us back here next week on Golf Talk Live uh, next Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central, and we'll have a Coach's Corner panel and another great guest uh, on the show as well. Thank you, everybody. God bless, and enjoy the Open Championship, and I will see you next Thursday right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, everybody.